Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, we will have Matt Altoff. He's the Chancellor of the uh, Diocese of Sioux Falls. He's coming in to talk about Set Ablaze, which is our planning initiative for the diocese. Um, he's going to give us some good background on it, why we're doing this. And we could not fit all of the information into one show. So he's going to be back next week, too. So make sure you listen this week and next week. Uh, he's just really, he's been living this for a little while. So um, very, uh, very good at explaining what we're doing and why we're doing it. So first we have Dr. Chris Bergwald. Biblical Bites with Dr. B. <laughs> Dr. B. <laughs> I, I, are, you, are you finished? I'm trying there? out for okay. the jingle. <laughs> okay. That What's does that not for? work. I do not know, but that does not work. The Muppet Show. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Elise has no idea what that means. Oh, now I have it in my head. This is great. Oh, good. So, the if everybody heard that, she watches version? that. version? Oh, you know when you say Muppets, I think Sesame Street. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, Not Sesame right. Street. Okay. Um, what Sunday is it today? Oh, gosh, you haven't Renee. asked me that for a while, I feel like. No, uh, I 30th? Well done. Oh, Yay. So what we have not talked about hardly at all, we've been focusing, especially in the first reading lately, the gospel a little bit, uh, but we've been neglecting the poor second reading. The second reading always just... It's like this weird outlier. Right? So, yeah. <laughs> so kind of like, like some of us. <laughs> yeah, amen, sister. So the second reading, again, as um, regular listeners will know, uh, it's that semi-continuous mm-hmm. reading where it's the read, the other, the other, the first reading, the psalm, the gospel, all are thematically connected, tied together, but for for much of the year, at least during ordinary time, the second reading is more of taking us through a tour of the other New Testament um, writings outside of the Gospels. Right, right. So we've been um, in the second letter of St. Paul to Timothy for a few weeks. And right. there have been some gems that I'm like, oh, I mean, I know why we talked about what we talked about, but I'm like, oh, we should have talked Next about year, that. or in three, three years. Three years, <laughs> in three years, exactly. So this is the end of St. Paul's second letter to Timothy that we, we read of. So I just put us at the beginning. Beloved, so that's him to Timothy. I am already being poured out like a libation. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have competed well, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. From now on, the crown of righteousness awaits me, which the Lord, the just judge, will, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearance. So what's what do you think he's writing about there, Renee? Well, I imagine he's writing about maybe his, the end of his life, the end his of his death. Yeah. So he, the second letter of St. Paul to Timothy is written to... Timothy, Timothy. <laughs> and it's the second letter that he wrote to Timothy that he wrote from Rome mm-hmm. um, shortly. While he was in prison? Be- yes, while he's okay. imprisoned uh, shortly before his death. So the tradition says that both Peter and Paul um, were martyred by the mm-hmm. Emperor Nero, who was looking for a scapegoat when he accidentally burned down the city of Rome. Oopsies. Let's just blame these, cra- blame these crazy Christians. Right. He happened to have Paul and Peter uh, and others um, in custody, so they were killed. Um, but I, I, what struck me, Renee, I want to go back to that first line. I'm already being poured out like a libation. Mm-hmm. What the heck is a libation? <laughs> it's a alcoholic drink, usually. Ah, you would think so. you that that's yes. So that, that would is, be the definition today. <clears throat> the I definition, think. but. Yes, but uh, historically, especially in this context, it's actually it is it is a pouring out of 
alcohol, mm-hmm. wine in particular, for a sacrificial purpose. Oh, okay. So a libation is in you know, all the different uh, forms of sacrifice that were offered in the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, a libation referred to uh, the sacrifice of of some sort of alcohol. Wine, it'd be wine. So wine would be poured out at the at the base of the temple as part of one of the forms of sacrifice. You mm-hmm. know, animals we know were sacrificed, mm-hmm. but grains were sacrificed, um, and and wine was offered as a libation. So Paul is talking about. He knows he's going to die, mm-hmm. but he he talks about his martyrdom in the t- context of a liturgical sacrifice. Wow! So where where our liturgy, where our worship of God. Um, really shapes our entire life. So for St. Paul, he views his looming death and martyrdom, which he knows is coming, as a sacrifice that he offers to God. And I think it's just a great example for us. Yeah, that phrase makes much more sense now. Thanks for clearing that up. You bet. In the studio with me today, I have Matt Altoff, who is the Chancellor of the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Thanks for coming in, Matt. It's a privilege to be here, Renee. Thanks I for inviting me. I appreciate it. You haven't been back for a while. I looked, and it was like last year, about this time that you were in talking about pastoral planning, and unbeknownst to us at the time, now you're you're in again a year later talking about something very similar that is going to lead to more of that. So I'm a resource to be used very sparingly. So. <laughs> Only once a year. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so um, we wanted to bring Matt in to talk about Set Ablaze, which is a planning initiative uh, for the diocese to help us um, rethink the structure of our parishes in the diocese and how we can uh, better serve the Catholics in the diocese and our priests as well. So, um, so Matt, can you just start with telling us what is Set Ablaze and why are we doing it? Set ablaze is a thematic term, an expression we can all use uh, to describe an initiative that uh, Bishop DeGroote has undertaken at the encouragement of so many, and most importantly, at the acknowledgement that there are things happening in our midst Mm -hmm. that are uh, having an adverse effect on the way we encounter church. By that, we mean culture. By that, we mean um, limited numbers of clergy or Mm -hmm. or ordained priests. by that, we mean the limited number of people. Mm-hmm. A lot of that comprises the why right. uh, we're doing this initiative. Set Ablaze is also defined by a what. We hope to create um, a, a new structure, as you refer to it, how our parishes and our physical churches are orientated and administered uh, around one another. They're always resourced by priests. So we right. it's in collaboration between a particular collection of churches and a particular numbers of priests that are mm-hmm. going to be ministering in that area. And we do so with the hope with that we can create a stable structure, meaning that you know we, we won't be just trying to fill slots. Mm-hmm. We hope to create a mechanism by which the bishop can with confidence feel as though we, we can stay in this structure for 10 years, this right. arrangement. When emphasize set ablaze is very much aligned to recent instruction that came from the Holy Father, oh, the Congregation right. for Clergy. Um, this is not a phenomenon that's new. Pastoral planning is something our own diocese has been through. I had the privilege of working under Bishop Swain as we implemented many, many mergers some uh, many years ago. 2014 was the vast majority of those mm-hmm. mergers. Um, the Holy See has actually um, emphasized that in that model, the consultation was done, done, 
done, and then there was a decision made and it was fully implemented. Right. Um, the, the, the paradigm has really shifted thanks to the introduction of the Holy See. There's consultation leading to parameters, um, and we're referring to those as pastorates. This is the what that we're creating, but those what's are created with a very explicit intention to then do pastoral planning mm-hmm. at a much more local level. So there is much more local involvement in the decision yes. making, and 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 ultimately, what is the final result? Right. Um, so the what is described in a very macro level, with the full expectation and understanding that at the micro level, the what will become described very differently from one pastorate right. to the to the next. Right. So um, can we do something really important here before you go on? Uh, can you define what a pastorate? Will be because right now we're used to every parish has a pastor and you're all kind of like living on this little island. So this is going to be very different. Can, can you define what this is? Pastorate will be a, a mission field. Okay. And within that mission field, there is an acknowledgement there exists particular parishes. They've been there for a while. People are familiar with those parishes. But that mission field is given with an explicit intention of enhancing collaboration, Mm -hmm. enhancing cooperation, finding ways that we can can do ministry in more impactful ways together, and in the cooperation, finding ways that we can delegate and empower people, the baptized, Mm -hmm. typically the laity, to fulfill some of the administrative duties of of the pastor. So... Um, on on the map, which went up this past week on our diocesan dedicated website, setablazesf.org, you will find lots of familiar town names mm-hmm. and parish names, but they are all lined inside of a circle. Those circles represent those mission fields. Those circles encompass multiple parishes. Again, they've been existing for a long time. And so the bishop is at this point in time seeking input is there a better place to draw those lines mm-hmm. knowing what results after this? Right. Knowing that collaboration and cooperation amongst those particular parishes is to ensue. It's to happen um, once they all are now going to be led by a partic- one priest serving as the pastor. Right. Um, but very- then there might be more than one priest in that circle. Absolutely. Just one pastor basically running running that area or being responsible for the administrative uh, actions, and then other priests helping with other pieces. It's of, very important. support. Yep. Collaboration runs lots and lots of ways. Mm-hmm. As I just described it, it was really between parishes mm-hmm. looking for ways that we can examine ourselves. Where can we become more faith-filled, more vibrant, more uh, effective? Mm-hmm. And where can we stop re- being redundant? Right. We, we have RCI program here, RCI program here, RCI program here. Is there a way that we can have a more vibrant program if the three of us parishes would collaborate? Right. But collaboration also runs with our clergy. What we find in, in our current model where we do create a parish as, as equidistantly as we can, that mm-hmm. was a big important aspect. The last round of planning was equal access or access to the sacraments. Um, then we end up creating a religious education program, an RCIA program, a pre-sacrament right. program. And, and in that, um, you create more administration uh, you create more facility responsibilities mm-hmm. that, that ultimately fall to our pastors. Mm-hmm. And so by creating a mission field that is bigger and meant to collaborate, there is many opportunities for the pastor to delegate and empower. 
uh, not only on the administrative factors, maybe to lay persons, lay professionals, but also most especially to his brother priests. Right. So um, the the majority of our pastorates, as they're de- designed or depicted so far, we're waiting for additional feedback. They will be changed. Mm-hmm. I I predict um, based upon the feedback we receive, they do have multiple priests assigned within right. them, and so. Very, very importantly, that um, the bishop hopes in this visioning process that we would have enhancement of the collaboration going on amongst the priests. So, you know, they have particular interests, particular formation, particular giftedness that the the collection of priests can play to. Mm-hmm. Um, and if one happens to be good at adult ed, maybe that would right. be the or CIA. If one happens to be really, really effective with his marriage preparation. Mm-hmm. Maybe they subdivide in the responsibilities, and he does more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of creative ways that that we would envision that collaboration would happen amongst the priests, with the hope too that I think, you know, the parishes that do have are so privileged to have multiple priests assigned there. I think overwhelming response to that is the people appreciate having multiple perspectives through the preaching, yep. right, and and the liturgical styles. Um, so that that's another upside to that is that there could also be within that collaboration circulation. Right. So the priests are rotating to various churches that are within that pastorate. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I think a big question that comes up is um, this sounds like it's it might be harder to achieve the vision of the diocese. But it really actually is at the service of the vision in a lot of ways. Can you explain that, which is lifelong Catholic missionary discipleship through God's love? This is really meant to be at the service of that. Can you talk about that a little bit? If we keep doing what we're accustomed to doing, we're likely to get the same result. The why is framed in this current reality report, and it's lots of data and it's lots of slides. I would summarize it by saying— it tries to put a finger on what we all probably sense. Mm-hmm. Don't we all know people that used to be at mass with us all the time that we don't see so often anymore? Mm-hmm. Perhaps we have family members themselves are part of that statistic where they've become disenchanted or uninvolved with right. parish life, church life. Um, in, in a nutshell, that's what our current reality report is showing is that we are lulling ourselves to death, mm-hmm. meaning as the disaffiliation continues, the trend line is negative. And and this is not new. Right. It, it, it is an ongoing trend. We're recognizing, though, that doing the same efforts of parish-based ministry is not curbing that trend, right. is not interrupting that trend. And and so Set Ablaze is very intentionally, a, gives us a freedom to do this in a radical way, mm-hmm. to, to it, go about church ministry in a newfound way with the hope that we might more effectively achieve the vision that you're right. It is right. it is the governing factor. Our ambition is no different than the same. It was sort of given to us as Catholics in Eastern South Dakota, thanks to the enlightened or the inspired vision that Bishop DeGroote received very shortly after arriving mm-hmm. here. Um, in the midst of COVID, you know, that God placed that on his heart, and he's been unwavering in that, and his right. desire to lead us to a... a, a, a a vision of all Catholics living as lifelong Catholics, mm-hmm. living as missionary disciples. Um, a, a term that is oftentimes referred, the death of Christendom is inspiring mm-hmm. much of this. We, we uh, You and I grew up in a, in a world that was largely governed with an ethos that was formed by Judeo-Christian values. Right. 
with secularism, with all sorts of other uh, influences that are making it more and more difficult. We, 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 we find government can be very antagonistic, where it used to be very, if not agnostic, certainly supportive mm-hmm. of the Christian life we, we aspire to live as Catholics. And now we find, you know, and, and we find this in corporate America, wokeism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we just find there's a lot of antagonism. So we recognize that the antidote, as radical as the culture has become, the antidote has to be radical as well. And so right. this is an effort to, um, again, give Catholics and clergy uh, in particular a freedom to go about their missionary discipleship in a radical way to foster that with the hopes of getting a better outcome yeah. and of it, disrupting yeah. trends. Yeah, and as you had mentioned earlier, we really can play to the strengths of our priests in different ways that then can allow them to get out, uh, hopefully among the faith, faithful more, to create missionary disciples rather than always be burdened under the weight of administrative duties with a parish. Yeah, and and, and I think we all recognize that we, when we are doing something that we not only enjoy and we have passion for, but we have experience in and we're good at, mm-hmm. it's a sign that God has given us a particular giftedness. And when we're doing those things, we tend to be healthier, happy, and holy. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I, I, that's pretty intuitive to us, pretty elementary. But at the same time, when we look at our current paradigm, our current model, father tends to have to be the expert of the roof, tends to be the expert of the sound system, tends to have to be the HVAC expert, in addition to the employer, the boss, because mm-hmm. he's got staff. Um, he tends to have to be the, the the best person to pick out who's the volunteer to do you know, this project in the mm-hmm. parish, this parish dinner, who's going to lead this or who's going to be this religious education instructor. And I, I'm speaking for effect, obviously, with a very broad brush stroke. But the reality is, is not not everybody can have all that giftedness of being an impassioned preacher, a great liturgist, a, a amazing pastoral counsel being provided in very tender moments, very difficult moments in the mm-hmm. lives of the faithful. And then, oh, by the way, be this administrator of so many things um, that's a rare person. It is. And, and, uh, and, you know, in that sense, priests start out as being persons first, right? Mm-hmm. They're human. Yep. So th- that, that's part of it is, is to let's accentuate where we thrive in ministry and offload, delegate, empower others who might thrive in other ways mm-hmm. because they might be really good at HVAC and sound system repair and roof repair yep. and building maintenance and accountancy. Um, that, that, that's a very important aspect of this. Right. Um, that we we flourish when we are utilizing the gifts God has given us to to in service to the church. Right, right. Um, I think uh, another thing that would be helpful to um, make known is this this type of planning or structural planning is actually occurring in several dioceses across the country. Uh, I believe I read somewhere that this is starting to happen in Europe. This very same kind of rethinking of what parishes look like, what a diocese, how it's structured. And that's happening because we're all kind of in the same boat. So have, have, do you know, have other dioceses seen success with this? Um, what do you, what do you know there? Well, what you state that this is a reaction happening in many other churches or mm-hmm. dioceses across the globe is makes sense, right? Because we, we are increasingly becoming a flat earth. Mm-hmm. Um, technology is bridging gaps between cultures and therefore influences on culture are, are increasingly unifying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so th- that's why this is, this phenomenon is happening. And sadly, 
that same cultural influence is having the same adverse effect on on churches across the globe right. in in Western Europe and certainly here. Interestingly, uh, not so much in Africa, right? right. Where, where you don't have technology, for example. That's, yep. a, that's a hypothesis. I haven't necessarily proved it. Um, let me emphasize, uh, I, think, I think this is a generational thing, so I'm not here to tell you that where it's being used in Detroit or Cincinnati or New York City or uh, even Lafayette, Indiana, some of these others, Omaha, our neighbor to the south, the Archdiocese of Omaha. Um, you know, I, nobody's sitting here saying, here is the double-blind, randomized, controlled trial to prove that, in fact, this right. is the way to go. <laughs> right. What everybody is saying is that the way we've been doing it isn't working anymore. Right. We're not curbing the tide of this cultural uh, trend that's happening, and so we must be radical in our difference. We certainly can go back to the apostolic mission of the Acts of the Apostles. Mm-hmm. I mean— you know, the, those 12 weren't sent out two by two by our Lord and the Great Commissioning with seven finance council members, with a physical church that was <laughs> a DRE. You know, meticulously <laughs> decorated. Right. And, you know, I mean, the reality is that there is this idea that, that there is that proof in the pudding mm-hmm. in that that's not necessarily how the church has benefited from the physical church right. being an evangelistic tool. It's a very powerful evangelistic tool. But all that human infrastructure and physical infrastructure um, certainly has its limits, and yeah. we have to be we have to be guarded in that because as Christendom leaves, you know they're not going to come to the church, right? Right? They, we are reliant on missionary disciples to bring the gospel through their personal witness and through their willingness to raise this. You know, I, mm-hmm. I believe in Jesus. I I, uh, I I I see the works of the Holy Spirit in my life, and let me tell you how that mm-hmm. sort of volunteering. That's going to happen more at coffee shops and at yes. ball games and at you know at, at book clubs than mm-hmm. it is going to happen in the physical church because as we see our mass attendance rates, they're not coming. Right, right. We have such a, a decline, and that that particular statistic is just one, and and that isn't very revealing because yes, Sunday mass is the source and summit. But when you think about what transpires in that hour, it's orientation towards God, but right. it, it, it isn't necessarily application at all times of what I'm doing in the, in the Monday through Friday, exactly. right? Yeah. So um, it is that personal witness, missionary discipleship is what must be the antidote to this cultural shift. Mm-hmm. And so all of this pastorate model and all of this set ablaze is really an initiative to help facilitate that, yeah. to help encourage, to help kickstart um, missionary discipleship in a, in a more radical way. Yeah, yeah, very well said. Um, I knew we were going to run out of time fast, so what I would really like to do, I want to ask you one more question before we go. But I think what we we should do is maybe have you back again next week to talk more, some more um, specifics about some of the things that are happening. So there's going to be a lot of questions out there, and while we have lots of things on the Set of Blaze website that can help people. Sometimes it's good to hear it from a live person, mm-hmm. even if it is on the radio. <laughs> and it does but, have to be from the chance. <laughs> well, you actually uh, speak about it very well. We've been living it for a little while. So uh, the question I want you to answer real quick before we go, if you could. So a lot of people are right now, we've, we've put the maps out as they currently stand, and we want input from them. And so we're starting to get some feedback from that. Um, why is it important to look at the current reality report before you look at the maps? Well, if we look at those maps and offer feedback with only the context of what I'm familiar with in my experience with parish, 
we're missing the point mm -hmm. because th those maps don't make sense. Right. They abs. You know, if you look at those maps from the paradigm of what we've grown up with, with a parish model, we will absolutely be killing priests in a heartbeat. Yes. Right. What is being asked of one priest to be the pastor of all those churches is inhumane. Right. Uh, we should probably be sent to to you know to 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 get help, emotional, yes. psychological help, <laughs> examination, whatever. Right. And so th that's why the current reality report is that it really emphasizes the fact that if we keep doing the same thing, we're going to get the same result. And right. it really, it's, it's the results that the current reality report is compelling us to do. So admittedly, the the map, there's a there's a missing gap that we've had a difficult time sort of explaining fully mm -hmm. in, in a way that is digestible. We're going to have to experience it. Uh, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced. But the gap is going about ministry in a different way mm -hmm. leads to this new pastorate model right. leads to now that circle on a map makes sense. And, and I want to be very clear. We're not saying that is the circle. Maybe the line draws is drawn in a different way. Right. We very much invite those particular feedbacks mm -hmm. uh, from all Catholics living in the diocese. And, you know, the, the pastorates have conventions, they have numbers, and of course they have place names. So I think you should revise pastorate number 25 right. to include this parish, X the parish, or or send this parish to that pastorate. Right. That sort of constructive feedback is super welcome, yes. super appreciated. And really helpful. Very, very helpful to yep. us. It, it is, there, there have already been, we're categorizing this through the multiple levels of consultation that have gone on with almost exclusively the clergy thus far. We have well over a dozen modifications <laughs> yeah. that have happened. Um, one of our sister archdioceses that have been through this through the same consultancy group we have, they had 27 modifications to their model after it went out to the laity, right. after the people right. came, provided public feedback. Um, so but it really does matter. It does yeah. matter. But to your question, the current reality is, again, if you only look at that because Father is in charge of our church and everything, he's the CEO and everything goes through him and he makes all the decisions— the paradigm through which many of us have operated, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the culture is shifting, mm -hmm. and 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 if we if the numbers of priests that we had wasn't an issue, I don't think we'd be doing this. Right. But we, we have to right. take in all these variables that we do have a finite number of priests. We do have realities where priests aren't able to achieve healthy, happy, and holy when all that workload falls to their shoulders. Mm -hmm. We recognize that the baptized have a place in the church's ministry, a very important place in the evangelistic mission of the church. Mm -hmm. So it's it's all those factors that go into the current reality report or that the current reality is perhaps revealing the need to yes. do is probably a better way of saying it. That lens is what informs how you give feedback on the on the pastor right. model. Right. So it's really important. So I really encourage uh, encourage you to look through that current reality report, which is at the website setablazesf.org. And I want to make sure I uh, give you the full name of the, because I really, we real, I love the full name of this. It's Set Ablaze, Unleash the Fire of the Holy Spirit. We want to be able to unleash that love of the Holy Spirit, uh, our faith with, to the rest of the world and to both our Catholics who aren't going to church so much anymore and those who maybe aren't even Catholic right now. So um, I hope it's something that we can really come together on. Matt, I'm going to end us here, but... I hope you'll come back next week and we can dive into this a little bit more to help people uh, really wrap their arms around it. Thank you, Renee. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, if you haven't found us already on social media, you can find us at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Rumble now 
at SF Diocese. And of course, you can always find us at sfcatholic.org anytime. That's it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic Views.